Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 22 of season five. My name is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You could follow me at Wexpool on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast Side Action Pod on Twitter and Side Action Podcast on Instagram. So, Action, uh, obviously, you, you said you took it easy. You just watched the games at home. You had some big weekends out, um, honeymoons and such. So, uh, you know, what's what's this weekend got? You, you know, what's going on? You're just, you're sitting around. That's it. Uh, got a booking for X Golf Simulator. You know, Ooh. getting the season started off right here. Got to uh, keep the swing in motion so that I'm ready once the weather really breaks and we can get back outside. So, I mean, a couple of buddies are going to hit golf balls on Friday, but I think that's the extent of the weekend plans. How about you? Yeah. You know, I always have a lot going on. Action, I, it's filling up. As I mentioned on the pod, I can see Johnny U. Going to see Milos 2.0. He's moved to the Burbs. I think there might be a date in my future on Friday. Um, you know, after the pod, I'm going to see mom tonight. I haven't seen mom in a couple weeks. So nice. everybody wants to see Jimmy Wags. Make sure you're still living, even though they could just watch me on YouTube if they want, you know, <laughs> and see your great your great soccer outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and last weekend was, was kind of crazy. Saturday was a full day, four stops in one day. It was like seeing different friends, forcing a celebration of life, which turned out to be good. Um, some birthday celebrations, and then I watched the, the games of Four Shadows, which was fun. And, and the hot streak continues, action. Just keep uh, keep stacking units, baby. That's what I got to yeah. do. Nice. You know, I forgot. It just popped into my mind. We're going to go see the Suns play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They play here in Detroit at the nice. uh, Little Caesars Arena. So we'll take our first trip down there, watch the Suns and the Pistons. That's right. I mean, it's Melissa's well, team, right? The That's Suns. right. Yeah, and uh, Jaden Ivey, of course, Purdue Boilermaker, plays for our go. hometown Pistons. So I'm looking forward to that game. There you go. See, so you got some, you got some action. I knew you'd have right. some action. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about the NFL, uh, and and then we'll go into the college basketball preview, which is the main thrust here. We'll start with the uh, NFC Championship uh, game, which was couldn't really call it a game. I mean, it started off as a game and. Two great defenses, and you know everybody's favorite, you know, Mr. Irrelevant got knocked out on the second pass of the game, and Brock Purdy. Now, mind you, the Eagles benefited from kind of a they obviously missed the challenge for San Francisco yeah. with the, on the fourth and six big catch by Devontae Smith. But was it? It wasn't. Um, kind of interesting. They end up scoring the touchdown, going up seven zip, and then you know Purdy gets knocked out in that second play. It was a big hit by Hassan Reddick, and uh, that was a challenge. Actually, it was originally incomplete on the field. Now fumble, and then turns out he obviously tore his his ulnar ligament, but nobody knew it at the time. Mm-hmm. Enter Josh Johnson. This game just kind of went south. I mean, they they actually tied the game at seven. I think that was their second drive with Josh Johnson. Yeah. Um, but after that, the Eagles just kind of you know, overpowered them, and they did get some benefit of some calls. A lot of people were saying that, but thirty-one to seven, hard to complain about officiating in that game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that 
Kyle Shanahan obviously has, has some regrettable choices there early on. And the way the first quarter went, it was just like everything went wrong for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I mean, despite my the pregame bet on the Eagles, I don't recall if you had a, if a bet on the Eagles as well. But, um, you know, the live betting opportunities in that game, once it was pretty clear that Purdy was not going to come back in, were just like drastic. I mean, I I looked down at one point and the Eagles were six and a half when it was clear Purdy was not coming back. So I punched one in there and then Josh Johnson led them to that touchdown drive and the live line dropped down to like five. And so I just kept adding more and more Eagles because it was pretty clear that the Niners weren't going to be able to do much offensively. Right. And I forgot to mention Josh Johnson got knocked out in the second half. So yeah. They brought Purdy back and he was he can't throw the ball. Yeah. So I was wondering if they were going to go to use check or whoever the emergency quarterback was or run the, you know, run the, you know, the wildcat or something. Um, I had, I had the Eagles future. Remember, oh, if you remember right. okay. 20, I ended up doing the, the Niners teaser. I teased them up to eight and a half and then the total up to 52 and a half under. So obviously that didn't come in because they got whitewashed, but, um, I didn't do live betting in that one. I should have, uh, and, you know, a little bit of cash cash flow crunch these days action. So as soon as that game ended, I was like feverishly refreshing to see when I got my money in my account so I could hit the second <laughs> game. Yeah. I had a bet in the second game, but I actually put some live money down in that one. So Yeah. And I mean, much like the Eagles season, they got out to that big lead in the first half. And then it was quite clear that the second half was going to slow down because they've done it a number of times this year where they get up big and they just pound the rock for the entire second half. And that clock runs, runs, runs. There was one, right. like 10 points scored in the second half. So right. just a, a clear yeah. game script that the Eagles have played all season long. Yeah. And hurts only threw for 120 yards or whatever. You didn't need to throw the ball. And, right. and so we'll talk about in our early look in a minute. I know you, you know, they, they rolled to the Super Bowl in a pretty easy fashion, but you know, we'll see if that matters. Um, so the second game, much better game. The Chiefs, uh, Bengals, you know, Chiefs end up closing as a two-point favorite. That was a huge, what a weird week on that line. Yeah. Total went up to 48. Uh, in this one, I did get the Chiefs plus seven, I think it was seven and a half, seven in the teaser. So I got it before all this movement, and then I got the total down to 41. So I was looking pretty good even from the beginning because the Chiefs just came out like gangbusters. And you know, they were sacking Burrow. They, they took it personally with this whole Burrow head BS that they were saving the mayor. That was so stupid. They won one game in Arrowhead. Um, <laughs> but then the game kind of stabilized, you know, because the Chiefs, as good as they looked, they were only up 6 nothing. Yeah. Right? They had two field goal drives. They ended up going up 13-3, looking pretty good. But, you know, even that play was on a fourth down to Kelsey. And then Burrow did what he does. He's hitting – Throwing into double coverage, but these guys are making plays, and they tied the game at 13, and then again at 20, and Chiefs kept losing receivers. They only had finished with three receivers, and including like the, you know, all the guys we've talked about. Besides, you know, MBS had a great game, and Valdez Stanley had a great game, and then, you know, it kind of looked like the Chiefs. They they got kind of lucky to get, you know, they obviously got the 123-20 of the game-winning field goal, but it almost it really shouldn't have happened, right? I mean, the, the Bengals were throwing. They get sacked. They kick the punt down the middle. The guy gets a 29-yard return. They get the hit out of bounds. They get in, I mean, it was almost improbable that the game didn't go to overtime. Yeah, no kidding. 
I was really holding out hope to see that first overtime in this playoffs so we could see the new rules come to play. Right. Mostly because I had that bet on over 47, and I thought I had a good chance at that point if yeah. it went to overtime that both teams could score and then they would go into another sudden death round. But um, obviously that didn't happen based on the poor decision-making by the punter. And then the got a really feel for the guy with the late hit out of bounds on Mahomes. That Sorry. defensive end played such a tremendous game. And uh, I'm sure he'll be thinking about that play for a long time. Yeah, and then my live bet was early in the game they weren't scoring. I I, I hit 45, 45, a total of 45 under. Wow, nice. <laughs> so I got lucky because – it was like, oh, man, they're going to score a touchdown, go over, or whatever. And they kicked that field goal, game was over. I'm like, Jimmy Weggs, hot streak <laughs> continues. <laughs> so, well, as we look at the Super Bowl action, I mean, I think the line's around two, one and a half now for the Eagles, and the total's between 49 and a half or 50. I know you have your take on it, so I'll let you go first, you know, because you kind of, you're like, I'm taking that AFC champ. Yeah, I mean, uh, I – I hit the Chiefs right on open, and uh, thankfully I got to it a little bit slow because I think at least at Circa and a number of other places, they opened at two, two and a, maybe one and a half point favorites. Right. And just an avalanche of money in the first hour that came in on the Eagles that pushed them all the way out to one and a half and two by the time I went to bed and eventually settled in at two and a half, I think, on Monday morning before it's dropped back now to like two, I think, as we record here on Wednesday night. So right. yeah. I did bet the Chiefs. I uh, I think that the Eagles' strength of schedule has been piss poor. I think I read on Twitter today that they have the 30th ranked strength of schedule so far in the season. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they just walked through the playoffs between the Giants and then a quarterbackless San Francisco 49ers team. I just don't think that they are quite the same team that the metrics show that they are. Okay. You know, I'll disagree. I mean, it's not that I don't, I agree with your logic, but I just don't think it's right. I think the Chiefs, we'll see how healthy they get. You know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mahomes won't be 100%. He'll play fine. He played, he had a great game, right? I just, to me, and we'll talk more about it next week, is Andy Reid going to run the ball ever? No, they can't. He refuses to run the football. The Eagles' pass defense is number one for a reason. Their pass rush is incredible. you got to run the football against, against these guys. And they, if they don't commit to the run, I just don't see them putting up points. And I think Mahomes was going to get beat up. And, and the offensive line for Eagles is no joke. I mean, they're obviously the, I knew that um, defensive line for the Chiefs played good against the Bengals. They were banged up. And they still could. Chris Jones had a great game against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I just can they stop the run? They did really good against the Bengals, but that's what a compromised line. So I'll take the guys in the trenches, even though Hurts. I think the big thing is can Hurts play in a big moment because he's going to have to make plays in this game. Yeah. So that's where he can make mistakes and keep the Chiefs in the game. But I, I don't know, man. I just even looking on, I was all over the Chiefs on Sunday. I was like, they're going to win this game. And Andy Reid, what, what the hell's he doing? He's running these reverses and all this fun stuff, and then he gets. Gets a little bit of lead and he just puckers up, man. I just run the football and and play play action and we'll see. Uh, so yeah, in full disclosure, I, I have the Eagles at plus five fifty. I told you that, so I'm gonna bet on the Chiefs at some level. Uh, yeah. But two points, it's just it's tough. It's a tough number uh, for me to back the Chiefs because it's just such a short number. So. Anyway. 
Do you think uh, a lot of this is obviously going to hinge on the status of Mahomes? I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people ro- wrongly are thinking, oh, two weeks is going to be fine. But, no. I mean, it, he was hobbled in that late huh? in the second half, and it was clear that he re-injured it or aggravated it on some level. So that high ankle sprain may not quite have the full three weeks of healing time that right. the calendar says that it did. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a four- to six-week injury. He's only been out for it's it's ten days now, yeah. right? So or twelve days now. I just he played a yeoman's effort. They gave him you know Torgal heard all about it last week, and that's why I kind of got on board with he's going to play well. But look, I just think that he was magic. He, he made the plays against the Bengals, but if you look at the second half of that game, they didn't do very much. You know, they didn't do much in that game. The Bengals figured it out with Mahomes and that offense, especially because they lost all those receivers. Those receivers got to come back, and I think more importantly, the defense kind of got figured out. They figured out the protection, and the Eagles line is way better than the Bengals. So I don't know. It, it's it's maybe just a, a meathead handicap there, but, you know, as you said, the metrics may be skewed because of the strength of schedule, and the Chiefs have played a tougher strength of schedule question. But I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. I, I don't necessarily – want the Eagles to win because trust me everybody in my company we're going to be singing that every fall instead of every retreat uh fly goes fly I mean it's insane but you know maybe, maybe I'll I'll flip again like I did on the Bengals like I did last week as the court as the week goes on do you have any opinion on the total it's not I wrote 49 and a half here but today there's a little like bit 50. of movement now out to 50 and a half and 51 in some spots I think I like under dude I know everybody loves over I, I know what's going up but my handicap is that the Eagles are going to shut down the Chiefs quite quite a bit more than people think. And on the flip side, as you mentioned, the Eagles love to run the football. They're up. They're up in this game. Squeeze the clock. I don't see any different unless it's like, you know, a few years ago when it was like a shootout with the Patriots. I just don't know, man. I, the Eagles defense is pretty good. I don't think they're going to give up a ton of points. So you're you're talking about the Chiefs scoring. Look, against the Jags, they barely scored any points, right? I mean – and they, last week against the Bengals, they only scored 23. I, you think they're going to put up 26 points, 27? I don't think so. Okay. What about you? You're an over guy? I, I bet the over today when I saw the move starting. So I don't really have much to back it up at this point. But let me get back to you. <laughs> well, ultimately, I probably will tease this game because I, you know, to, to hedge myself, you know, Chiefs to eight and you know, maybe down to 43 and a half over, right? That seems like a better bet for me, but, but that's just a hedge position. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. You can help me a little bit. I'm not going to hedge all of it. I, I mean, I feel good about the Eagles too, but I think I'm going to do a lot of props next week too, just to hedge as well. I do think oh, if you're interested in mine, it's probably going to go down. I think if, if you want to bet Chiefs money line, it might be the high point right now. I think if anything, this number might be going okay. closer to ping um, back to two and a half or three. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, at some point it'll go back down. You know, they right. show bones dancing on the yeah, sidelines exactly. or something, you know. Yep. That's what happened last week, right? All right. Well, let's let's go with the uh, basketball preview here. Action. Um, I you know I augmented some of the stuff you put in here. So I don't know what's official in basketball. Put Power Five. I'm calling it Power Six okay. with the Big East, and then I added. They're kidding in the post. The um, fringe. Non-mid-majors. The middle tier. <laughs> the middle tier. Um, 
So let's talk. I put the class of college basketball as the Big 12. I know you might take umbrage with that, but I say that because there's seven teams in the top 25 in Ken Palm. There's no dominant team. I mean, Kansas obviously is there. They've played well, and Texas has kind of played better than people expect. We know what Baylor's done in the past. But you've got teams like TCU and Iowa State and West Virginia and Kansas State, who's kind of been a bit of a surprise to me, all in this this conference that I think can make do some damage in, in March, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I take no umbrage with your classification as the Big 12 is the best conference this year because it is, I, I mean, all of these teams outside of like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, I think really can make a, some noise in the tournament this season. So uh, I, it, whether or not any of them are like national title contenders, though, I'm not so sure. I mean, Kansas right. obviously is the reigning champs, and I think Texas might be able to get there by the time the tournament rolls around. But outside of them, I don't know that I would be backing any of them to win six games in March. Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk more as the season goes on about it. But, I mean, Kansas like still plus 1,100 to win, which is, you know, it's kind of in the mix for the top teams. But I don't know if that number is really right. That's more of a – they've got a huge backing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas the Big Ten, you know, your squad, Purdue, is like the clear favorite in the conference, and they're plus 1,200 to win the title. They've got Zach Eady, who's just a force, and, and he's figured out, you know, how to stay on the court and, and not foul and all that. The rest of the team, the conference is, eh. I mean, the big the big dogs from the past, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, aren't that good. You know, Rutgers is a surprise. Northwestern is a huge surprise. And then you guys, guys in the middle, Iowa, Indiana, and Illinois are – they're good. They're good teams, but, you know, they're not going to shock the world and, and run the table, right? So it's really Purdue or bust in terms of the national championship. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I hate to say it again because the Big Ten has failed to put a team in the national championship picture since 2001, right? It was Michigan right. State, Mateen Cleaves, yep. and we're now going on 22 years without a champion. It's really sad. Um, it is. But I also don't think I'm going to be betting on Purdue to do it because they never have. <laughs> I don't like betting on things that have never happened before. So, right. I mean, uh, I am excited, though, because Edie is a dominant force that we have not seen in college basketball in quite some time. And he goes out there night in and night out and really carries his team. And uh, we spoke a little bit last week. They finally have a defense to go with that elite offense. They're now 17th ranked in defensive efficiency, and so they definitely fit the mold of that Ken Palm era national championship with having both offense and defense in the top 20. Yeah, and I guess I should have done a better precursor to all this stuff. You know, if you've just listened to us for the first time after it's our fifth season, we really espouse, you know, using Ken Palm, which is Ken Pomeroy's index. It's KenPalm.com. He's got, you know, a ton of metrics that you can see. We kind of reference their offense and defensive efficiency. There's more than that. Action has, in the past, and if we're going to keep doing it, has his own index, kind of using those numbers and then adding kind of different weights to it. So that's what we're referring to as Ken Palm. I should have said that from the top. Um, but to your point, Purdue is like 17th in Ken Palm and defense. That's like, mm-hmm. they're usually like 80th or 50th or something, you know, yeah. even though they're still top four offensive efficiency. So to your point, they definitely can make some noise. And I kind of expect them, unless they kind of falter the next month, they're probably going to be a one seed. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. should be. Yeah. 
Um, so it's and it's always easier, obviously, to, to make it to the Final Four as a one seed. I gotta add too, it, how great is it to see Wisconsin in the bottom of the Big Ten? I mean, it's been so many years that they overachieve, and I'm just really loving the fact that they suck this year. They totally suck. It's weird. <laughs> the other day, I was like, "Oh, Illinois, Wisconsin, like, the, oh, they really stink. Like, what happened? You know?" But down year, it's still Greg Gard, right? He yeah. Going, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think they've had a few injuries that they're dealing with, but it's still fun to watch. Yeah, and I'm surprised Michigan's not that good. I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's funny how these things work. Now, is Ruck, Rutgers is that Ron Harper Jr. still there? I mean, what's the deal? Like, they, they have a really good team this year. Yeah, no, Harper is gone. Uh, I think it's just really a good team, all-around team. I mean, they still have Mulcahy and Omaruyi, the center, who is there. He's a good player. Um, outside of that, a lot of team or, uh, players that you probably haven't heard of before. So. Right, right. Uh, then we move to the SEC. SEC, not unlike, well, actually, maybe a little bit stronger teams at the top in the Big Ten. They've got a couple of contenders, quote-unquote. Um, Tennessee being you know, the current number one AP team. They're the top defensive team in the nation. They're plus 1,400 to win it all, um, and they've played very well. But we should also say at the top that this year is wide open, and you think you said it yesterday or last week on the pod, there's no clear dominant team. The number one seed team has been rotating in maybe a couple weeks here and there. So there's probably about eight teams that can win it all this year or more. Um, Tennessee is one of them, though. Have you gotten to see them play much? I've watched them a couple of times. I think I watched the game against Kentucky a few weeks ago, and I did catch a little bit of the Big 12 game against Texas last week. I had uh, Texas in my betting portfolio, which didn't come home. But, I mean, they are tremendous defensively. Um, there, you can't argue with that. But my question for them is on offense, much like they have been in past years, where they just don't shoot the ball very well. And Rick Barnes is another coach who has not been successful when March rolls around. Yeah, he's not a great tournament coach for whatever reason. And to your point, they're 33rd in offense, so that's when we try to look. At least for me, actually, about you, I look for two top 20s. You know, I'm looking at mm-hmm. least top 20, if not top 15 in offensive defensive efficiency when I'm looking for my teams to, to make a deep run. Uh, how about Alabama? I haven't seen them play in years past. Uh, Nate Oates' team has been all offense, no defense. This is a change. They're, they're, you know, top six this year on the 23rd on offense. So there's your ambulance. Um, so, you know, they're a team that could, could make some noise. I haven't seen them play much, but they're plus 1200. They're actually at better odds than Tennessee right now, which is a little strange. Um, have been able to see them play much or no? A little bit here and there. I mean, they have just been obliterating opponents. Talk about uh, ATS Darling. I mean, they beat Vanderbilt by 57 last night. And uh, Oklahoma, uh, they did, They lost actually to Oklahoma over the weekend, which was a bit surprising. But yeah. um, a team that has been certainly dominating in the ATS department. Right. Auburn's kind of in the mix, too. A team that's a surprise in that conference is Texas A&M. They're not great in Ken Palm, but they've been winning a lot of games. And then the two underachievers that had very hot, you know, good odds to win or get in the Final Four were Kentucky and Arkansas. You know, their odds have dropped to plus 4,500 for Kentucky, plus 4,000 for Arkansas to win it all. And I don't know what's going on. Usually Arkansas kind of turns it on about now. Mm -hmm. You know, Musselman and his crew start playing well, but I'm not sure if they just had, you know, maybe lost too many horses and the, the defense isn't as good. Good defense, but I think their offense is down a little bit this year at Arkansas. Yeah, sure. 
when you look at the Pac-12, you know, they're basically, you know, again, repeat top heavy. You got UCLA, who's really good. I mean, they're great. They're, you know, number three in Ken Palm and, you know, number nine in the AP. So they're really good. And then you got Arizona plus 1,800. They're always talented, but we saw them kind of crap out last year. They screwed me over, actually. I would have maybe won a pool or two. Um, and after that, it's, you know, down year. USC, Utah, Oregon, they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of Ken Palm. So they're not really and – they, and they win some games in the Pac-12, but the bottom of the Pac-12 is really bad. So – any interest in those? I know in the past you you know you wrote Johnny Juzang to a yeah. player pool championship yeah. once. Well, I uh, got to see Arizona play in person in December okay. against Indiana and was very impressed at that time. I know that they've sputtered a little bit recently, um, and I've been reading that it's looking like the Pac-12 is going to be a two-bid league, so it might just be UCLA and Arizona that get there this year. Right, and the love for the West Coast is very low in the tournament. Uh, but, you know, I mean, UCLA made a deep run. A couple of years ago, they had UCLA and USC go really deep. Mm-hmm. So, it can they can still be outside forces there. And then the ACC, God, this this what happened in the ACC? It's hard. I mean, Virginia, everybody loves Virginia. They're like six and eight P, but they're they're not that good in Ken Palm. They're 12, and they, they're the only team in the top 20 in the ACC in Ken Palm, which to me means not only – or the team's not good, but it's just surprising. You know, usually you'll have one team that they show up better in Kenpon, but they, you know, the, the league's not that good anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson is the pretender. They're the, literally, they're the Tigers, favorite Tigers. <laughs> um, they're like 18 and 5, but they're 59th in Kenpon. So I was in a lineup to bet them last night. I got I got in too late, and of course they lost uh, to Boston College on the road. So it's spots like that that I'm looking at. Yeah, I, uh, I had Boston College last night. I think mm-hmm. Clemson is a team that's a bit overrated. And in general, on in conference games, I like to look at home underdogs. And uh, Boston College fit that mold last night. But, I mean, I'm with you. Virginia really looks to be the only legitimate threat to really even, probably even make the tournament, but uh, make a run. I think that some of these teams, Duke, North Carolina, Miami, obviously uh, have the clout to get there as well. So I'm sure we'll see more than just Virginia in the tournament, but I wouldn't count on any of them. Well, North Carolina has some talent. They've won four straight. They're plus 3,500. They had a great run last year. That's a team that, like, you know, I know you don't like to bet futures. I don't usually do it, but that's a number I might get behind. You know, mm-hmm. plus 3,500, they make a deep run. They still got Baycott in there. They got another young guy. We'll see what happens, but they certainly can better in this league. It's just whether they can play against the Big 12 and you know, some of the other SEC teams come March. You know? Yep. Lastly, the Big East or the Big Six, as we're calling it. Uh, UConn has been pretty highly ranked initially, but they're kind of faltering now in conference play. They've lost six games in the conference, but their odds are still plus 1,800. Uh, Marquette has been lighting it up. They can score with anybody, but they can't play defense. And it's kind of the same thing with Xavier. Um any other teams? I mean, this is a weird because Nova's. I guess they're done. Is that is that it? Nova's no good anymore. Um, <laughs> I got to admit, I had no idea that Jay Wright retired until yeah. I was watching the uh, Purdue game. I think it was on Sunday, and he was on the broadcast, and I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I remember when that happened. You know, I follow him on Twitter or somebody, some Nova person on Twitter, so he's always popping up. I guess he's the guy. I mean, we always love Jay Wright. I mean, the guy 
but well dressed, best dressed coach in college basketball. But he obviously can recruit because now they got nobody and they're terrible this year. Yeah, yeah, not good. Um, but I did bet them tonight in the underdog spot, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I really like Xavier. Uh, Sean Miller's back and yep. coaching this team, and I think that he has made a huge difference coming back into that team. Despite their uh, defensive woes, 94th ranked, they are really fun to watch, and they put up points of plenty. Mm-hmm. I did see that Zach Fremantle, their big center, just went out with a hand injury for a month minimum, so that's going to impact their numbers a little bit, but a team I'm definitely looking forward to betting in March. Yeah, me too. They're going to score on teams unless they have a stout defense, so they can win a game or two easily. So then uh, those other conferences, the American, um, you know, is really a one. They might get two teams in, but you know, Houston is the team, right? And this is a team we've loved for a couple of years. Tom Sampson's the coach there. They're number two in Ken Palm. They're 20 and two. The plus 700 to win, so they're, they're actually the odds-on favorite to win the title. They did stump, sub their toe against Temple, and they're going to play them again on Sunday. But you know, besides Temple, you got Memphis, and that's pretty much it. So. They could be one of those number one seeds unless they kind of falter down the stretch. Uh, but they'll be a dangerous team in March. Yeah, definitely. Marcus Sasser is the man. Yeah. And uh, talk about a, a get-right spot. I think uh, laying the points on the road at Temple on Sunday would be a good bet with this team. I like it. And then, you know, traditionally in the West Coast Conference, you got the Zags who have been, you know, they've been a top-five team for, what, it seems like a decade they're a little bit down this year, and I haven't got to see them and what's going on. The, the numbers aren't that bad. They're plus 2,000 to win the title, but it's really St. Mary's that's kind of taken, taken it to them. We'll see. They're going to play on Saturday. Um, they're a little bit better in Ken Palm, 7 overall. They're 18th in the AP. Have you gotten to see that these teams play this year? I watched Gonzaga play against Purdue, where we pasted them, but uh, mm-hmm. that was several months ago. I haven't really circled back to the WCC yet. Right. I mean, last year, WCC was deep. They had, you know, three or four good teams that were good. This year, it seems it's just the top two. You've highlighted some mid-major teams outside of the you know, those kind of tweener teams there. You know, FAU, you, <laughs> they're 38th in Kempom, 21-1. and one. I mean, this team out of the uh, Conference USA is, is kicking butt. I mean, have you, have you seen them play? Yeah, I did watch a little bit of their recent game, uh, and they are really fun to watch because they've got two big guys that they just rotate kind of similar like Purdue last year. And then they've okay. got another seven guys that are all like cut from the same cloth, uh, wing guys, point guards that can shoot mm-hmm. and they run a ton of pick and roll, but they also have these two guys that they can throw it inside. And I think that's nice. a recipe that will allow them to compete with almost anyone in March. So I'm really looking yeah, forward to size, that. If you have size and then on the perimeter, you can kind of go positionless with those mm-hmm. wings. You can really guard shooters, which I'm definitely going to have to check them out. Uh, they could be one of our, you know, kind of like Royal Roberts a couple of years ago making deep run. Yeah, big, big game Bert. tomorrow night against UAB. I'm really interested in watching. Yeah, the Blazers are pretty good too. Then you've got Liberty here. Uh, they're 46th in Kempom. They're always kind of in the mix. Yep. Flames are, are a good team to watch. You've got Oral Roberts, who I just mentioned from previous years, but they must have a great coach because <laughs> somebody who can recruit. They're always in the mix, 57th. They're 20-4. and four. Sam Houston State, I like that poll. Uh, Sixteen and five, and they're sixty-fourth in Ken Palm. You know, you got Kent State on here from the MAC, sixty-ninth in Ken Palm, seventeen and four. But this College of Charleston team, I've seen them in the top twenty-five. They just fell out. They're twenty-one and two. 
their metrics aren't as good as other the other teams. Maybe that strength of schedule. I'm assuming they light it from three, or what's their what's their mo? Yeah, I mean, uh, offensive rebounding very strong. Um, they actually they don't shoot the three that well. Uh, it's more <laughs> of a inside team. They're in the bottom two hundreds in the three point percentage, surprisingly. One second action. No problem. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, Charleston is a team that has been catching a lot of buzz this year, mostly due to that top 25 ranking. I think a lot of uh, college basketball pundits were surprised to see a Charleston team from the CAA make it in the top 25. And I think the conference is really the reason that they've kind of dipped down in the metrics. They don't quite get the same strength of schedule bump that all their right, colleagues right. do. Exactly. So Mama Weggs is here. Thanks, Mom. I told you to use your key. Uh, anyway, let's go into some games. We don't have to cover them all, but we've got quite a bit of action. As we go through the season for the new listeners, uh, we usually highlight a few games, You know, talk about them. The thing about college basketball is different than both college or pro football is the line doesn't come out to like the day before. <laughs> so one of the things we're able to do is action can kind of impute the, uh, you know, the line from Ken Palm. Cause to be honest with you, a little betting tip, they always use the Ken Palm lines. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you can find some value. Um, but we usually try to give you some Friday night action cause action loves the Friday night action and then some big games on Saturday and throughout the week. Um, so you've highlighted some. I put on Boise State and San Diego State. These are pretty good teams in my old conference, the Mountain West. Uh, I know you to put the action in there. But, um, you know, both these teams have a chance to make the tournament. I know, as, you know, in traditionally San Diego State does, and Boise's been on the fringe. It looks like these teams both play great defense like they always have, especially Boise this year. Uh, you like either of these teams? I would always gravitate towards San Diego State. Uh, given no knowledge at all, that's probably my lean. I, To be honest, I don't know much about Boise State this year. I did see that San Diego State dropped a game last night to uh, maybe CSU, was it? Uh, uh, Nevada, I that's think right, it was. Nevada. So, I mean, certainly a bounce back. I think it's a bounce back spot for San Diego State. That'd probably be my lean. Nice. So this Saturday slate's pretty rich. Um, I know you highlighted some games. Your team, Purdue's playing Indiana. This is like the family. Yeah. What happens when you and your dad? You guys watch together, or you like? Not recently. No, we haven't recently. I mean, to answer your question, what's happened recently is total domination by one side. The Purdue Boilermakers, I think, have won like eight out of the last nine meetings against Indiana. But I do think things are going to be a little bit different this year because. Despite Zach Eady's dominance in the lane, he's a minus 1,100 favorite to win the Wooden Award, by the way. We didn't right. mention at the top. Trace Jackson Davis has been equally good this season and nipping yep. at his heels, and I think that uh, Indiana might be in for a little upset on Saturday. Yeah, you're showing Purdue minus two on the road, so you'd like the, the yeah. home dog. Definitely taking the home dog, which is a theme throughout my Big Ten betting this season. Yeah, you know your dad's listening, so you're just trying to make him happy. <laughs> um, some of the other matchups that we highlighted, you've got uh, Kansas playing at Ohio, or Iowa State, uh, plus one on that one. That's the noon game. Uh, do you like have a lean in that one? Yeah, I like the home team in that game, too. Kansas has not been quite their dominant self this season. I think they had a three-game losing streak recently mm-hmm. before the trip to Lexington last weekend. And uh, then they dropped another game 
uh, no, I'm sorry. They, they did win this week against Kansas State, but uh, going on the road to Ames is going to be a different story. Yeah, I like it because Iowa State because it's just this week for Kansas is a gauntlet. I mean, they're playing they're playing Texas on Monday too, so it's a little bit. I mean, Iowa State's good, but Texas is kind of like right on their heels, so it's kind of a sandwich spot for them. Yeah. They're playing three you know three games in whatever five days or something. That's pretty tough. Um, let's see, you've got when we talk about Texas and Kansas State, they're playing too. The Big Twelve is loaded. Every week you're going to get yeah. tons of matchups that we like. Texas is a one-point dog at Kansas State. Um, what is the deal with Kansas State? Because I haven't seen them play yet. What is their you know, makeup? Because obviously Texas, I saw them last night. They were playing pretty good. Um, what are they? Are they? You know, they got a top player on that team, or they just play really good defense or something? Um, I no, I wouldn't really say top player. I mean, more of an all-around team. I would argue, mm-hmm. but I mean, defensively, they're 28th ranked. Offense, 35. So just stout and both sides of the ball but uh, i think it's the three-point defense really which carries them they're they're very good behind guarding that three-point line and uh i think they're a good they're gonna a good bet at home as well they haven't lost at home this season there you go you got duke north carolina in the night game um north carolina is actually a dog on the road duke's played metrically decent i don't know why they're not better maybe they just have young talent that you know obviously different coaching but I, I don't know North Carolina getting points they played better kind of be on that side yeah it seems like uh, four is probably a few too many there in that rivalry game I agree yeah we talked about Zags and St. Mary's we don't have a, uh, a projected points or you know spread in that one but I, I kind of would like to see St. Mary's win this game we'll see if that actually comes true but just to give the Zags a little you know <laughs> a little refresh in that one. You already mentioned on Sunday, Houston's going to Temple. It's a bounce back spot. I agree with Houston on that one. Mm-hmm. Any of these other games tickle your fancy? You got Texas at Kansas, as we mentioned. That's Monday night. Uh, and then you've got TCU at K State again on Tuesday night. More Big 12 stuff. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would look to the home teams in both of those games. Uh, Kansas going off against Texas, I think, would be a good bet. And uh, I also wanted to highlight the scheduling snafu for Northwestern earlier earlier this month. They had a COVID pause and had several games postponed, which just backloaded their schedule to an insurmountable position. They're playing four games in eight days this week, and I think a fifth game (laughs) on the 12th day. So they did lose last night, uh, faded in the second half, predictably against Iowa. And then mm-hmm. tomorrow night, they're playing at home versus Michigan, which I think is another tough spot for them. And then traveling on Sunday to Wisconsin. So I'm going to be probably fading Northwestern all week. Yeah, so maybe that you're talking about them as being a tournament team. This is a tough stretch for them mm-hmm. uh, going in there. Okay, well, just so everybody knows, you know, obviously in future weeks, we'll, next week we will do Super Bowl, a little bit more detail do some props, talk about the Gatorade and all that other stuff that everybody wants to hear about. Um, I don't know your plans for the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm going to be at the Foreshadows again, just frequenting during the season. Um, and then we'll, we'll we'll hit some college games next week, and then after the Super Bowl will be pretty much all college besides the recap of the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, hopefully we can get some Rihanna props on the uh, rundown oh, yeah. next week. 
Oh yeah, exactly. You got to get the five head props. You know, she's got a big forehead. Um, so just a reminder, we are going to be in Vegas uh, March 15th through the 18th, 19th. Um, you know, come join us if you can find a hotel room. It's very hard to find a hotel room apparently. Even Action, with all his status, is what are you, diamond platinum or whatever you are. He, he's still getting the, the door slammed in his face. But um, if you're out there, let us know. We're going to be out there having a good time and throwing some dice and getting everybody excited about crafts again. I haven't thrown dice in a whole four months. I got to practice. Yeah, I got to warm up the elbow, get some juice in there. <laughs> exactly. Got to get a got to get a cortisone shot in that wrist to make sure I get the follow through. Um, but uh, great. But yeah, we already talked about the weekend. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, you're gonna watch some basketball games. There's not. A, it's weird to not have football. It's like yeah. the first weekend without. Oh, well, there's the Pro Bowl flag football game. You gonna bet on that? No. <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> Smart move, action. Smart move. All right. Well, follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow um, me at Wexpo on Twitter and Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Uh, good luck, everybody, and enjoy the weekend. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER intro and outro and transition music credits song titles jerry five and district four by kevin mcleod at incompetech.org license under creative commons attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0